What is a scientific mystery that's yet to be solved that you would like to figure out? I'd try to find out what happened to the Library of Alexandria. <gasps> Ooh, that's yep. a good one. <laughs> Just like, where the hell did all that knowledge go? <sighs> well, now I want to think of something legit. <laughs> Damn, that's a good one. I hate you for picking it. Ah, <laughs> you really like that one. I want to know what's at the bottom of the Atlantic Divide. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, but that's like kind of the same thing as what we're about to talk about. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where they think it went. Kicking and streaming, where all you need is a degree in gibberish. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2001 animated adventure film Atlantis: The Lost Empire. Guys, I'm schwitzing. You're schwitzing. I'm very happy. I, <laughs> we've loved this movie forever. Yeah. We say the same thing about every movie. <laughs> well, I think it goes without saying that it's kind of why we picked them, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they had some kind of effect on us when we were young. Guys, guess who's back? Fucking Disney. <laughs> yeah, like we haven't been doing Disney at all, and then bam, bam, right there, and two in the same month. Before we get started, don't forget to go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K I C K N S T R E A M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And remember, guys, make sure you're following us, reviewing us, and following and reviewing the podcast that we're suggesting in the show notes this week. Black Lives Matter is not over. Timeline back to normal? Remember, over a hundred people of color have been murdered by law enforcement in the first six months of 2020 alone. Make sure you're staying informed, staying alive, staying vigilant. Because, guys, they're literally taking us now. Yeah, they're no. literally snatching us off the street. Please be so, so careful if you are involving yourself in protest activity. We admire you for doing it. We try to do it as much as we can. Yeah, and that being said, I'm going to have more links for bail bonds in the show notes this week as well. That's so good. Thank you. That being said, are you ready to dive into this? Absolutely. Oh, oh, it's so early in the episode. <laughs> And I have to fire you already. <laughs> oh, it's no good. It's going to be a long one, guys. Buckle the hell up. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Now, we've all heard of the legend of Atlantis. Pure fantasy. Well, that is where you'd be wrong. That young thatch gets crazier every year. I can prove Atlantis exists. I'm sure of it this time. Milo James Thatch. I'm acting on behalf of my employer, who has a most intriguing proposition for you. It's the Shepherd's Journal. This journal is the key to finding the lost continent of Atlantis. I'll never believe you. I will find Atlantis on my own. I mean, if I have to rent a rowboat. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. But forget the rowboat, son. We'll travel in style. You're going to need a crew. Yes, Mr. Thatch. Well, you'll need engineers and, and geologists. Got them all. Best of the best. Gaetan Moliere, geology and excavation. Audrey Ramirez, don't let her age fool you. The name's Sweet, Joshua Sweet, medical officer. Vincenzo Santorini, demolitions. Hey, look, I made a bridge. Lieutenant, take her down. Diving officer, submerge the ship. Dive, dive!
all our chances for survival rest with you, Mr. Patch. You and that little book. Let's talk about some influences here. All right. All right. Jules Verne realness for you today. Tell me a little bit about Jules Verne, Carrie. He kind of wrote the three big adventure stories that we think about when we think about adventure stories. He wrote Around the World in 80 Days, Journey to the Center of the Earth, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Let me guess. He's French. He is very French. (laughs) And, you know, he just, these are stories that adventure and fantasy films still continue to take from in this day and age. They're, I don't want to call them timeless because there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of themes of imperialism, colonialism that are maybe not so good, but, you know, th- that's what you were saying last week, is that this is a giant movie about colonialism. A little bit. Like, there are better examples. Like, after watching the movie, I'm like, there are probably some better examples out there. But, like, there are heavy themes of it in this film. The whole universe that we're journeying to in this film, has it's very interesting in the fact that we do get some world-building knowledge, but at the same time, a lot of it still remains remains mysterious like I feel like there's a lot about Atlantis that we don't learn in this obviously this is an extreme fictionalization um the actual legend of Atlantis you know it's apparently this small continent in the middle of the ocean where apparently they were much farther ahead in terms of you know information technology general knowledge than the rest of the world um the philosopher Plato has writings about this civilization of Atlantis um you may or may not know the name. Let's see if we have any Trekkie fans out here. His name is Mark Okrand, and he is a linguist who actually wrote the Klingon language really? for the Star Trek universe. Oh my god! Yeah, and they drafted him for this project to create an Atlantean language. And it's so believable! To be written and spoken. And I, I, I actually looked into it, and it is. It, he developed a phonetic system. That it's all based on both Latin and Germanic dialects. Oh, that's great. I, I just can't even wrap my head around how he did this, but he did. There's a whole, He wrote a whole alphabet for it, a whole grammatical structure. It takes... This is some Tolkien shit. You eat that up. Tolkien created many languages for his lexicon, but like this is this was just superb work. Atlantis was described by Plato as being a highly idyllic and advanced continent that sank beneath the sea unexpectedly and vanished forever. And by the time the Greeks came around, they were the ones that really propelled this myth forward. They weren't sure if Atlantis was real or a metaphor for human hubris and corruption, right? Yeah. And so it appeals to us as audience members because as a myth, it's still great storytelling Mm -hmm. but if it's real that means we can go find it and that's the genesis of the adventure um okay we've got names (laughs) let's talk about the names before we get into the setting we've got michael j fox in his first kicking and streaming appearance i love michael j fox i do too he's a great he he's a voice throughout our childhood he's Stuart little Stuart little and that's what we know him most as but you i mean to the greater world we know he's Marty McFly from the Back to the Future saga. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, why are you best friends with this mad scientist? We'll never find out. Okay, moving on. We have Cree Summer. Oh, I love Cree Summer. We were just talking about Cree Summer, weren't we? She's dotted all throughout your animation childhood. Absolutely. She's Susie Carmichael on Rugrats. <laughs> she sure is. She's also number five from Codename Kids Next Door. Uh-huh. 
Okay, who else have we got? We've got James Garner. James Garner. I Like I was saying outside, I don't really know of any James Garner stuff you might have seen other than The Notebook. Oh my God, the Americanization of Emily. <laughs> with, with Julie, Julie Andrews. Andrews. Yes. 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 Also, Victor Victoria with Julie <laughs> Andrews. Part. The only other one that I think is worth mentioning is Leonard Nimoy. <gasps> I forgot that Leonard Sp- Nimoy was the voice of the king. Spock. Oh my God, live long and prosper, baby. Spocker shocker. <laughs> Stop that, no. I'm sorry. Gross. When I throw the shock at the Trekkies, that means it's time. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right, shall we dive in? <laughs> yes, let's do. Okay. So we begin on the day it ends. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lovely place to begin. The end. So we're supposedly, we get this on-screen text. It says, In a single day and night of misfortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared into the depths of the sea. Plato, 360 BC. That's a long time ago, folks. (laughs) I know. That's 2,300 some odd years ago. We get this, like, opening shot of just, like, the cool blue sea and just this, like, flash and bam. (laughs) Like, I don't know what this cataclysmic event is supposed to be. Like, we get this shot of these Atlantean soldiers on these very intricate machines that look like fish. And they're hovercraft. And, like, literally one of them shouts to the other, look at what you've done. You've destroyed us. We need to warn the city or whatever. And I'm like... What did this guy do? <laughs> like, that, like we never get that. We never get the explanation as to what caused this cataclysmic event. I don't think it was actually his fault. I think that the other guy was just blaming it on him. I mean, it's like the sky just bangs open and here's this killer tsunami wave. And we're going to blame it on no-name Jerry over I, here? I guess. Jerry, <laughs> you've killed us, Jerry. A tsunami begins approaching the city of Atlantis and everybody, and they're ringing the disaster bell. Yeah, and we have oh, little Kita. Yes, little Princess Kita. Uh-huh. She's all of two or three years old. And the royal family is fleeing into safety mm-hmm. from the tsunami. All of this is in Atlantean, so we really can't play any of it for you. Yeah. It's subtitled, but Kita and her mother are running away. And then all of a sudden, there's this blue light out of the sky. Mm-hmm. And it beckons to the queen. Mm-hmm. And her eyes light up. And it just kind of beams her up, alien style. Like, what? Yeah, Kita's screaming for her mother. I know. Oh, it's so sad. And, like, she just kind of gets sucked up into the sky. And she, I, I love that she, like, she's holding on to her and she takes her bracelet with her. Yeah. Kita's little bracelet off of her arm. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. And, like, she gets sucked up into this, you know, ball of light. We see these horrible shots of this barrier being put up around the city. And these people that are getting trapped outside. Oh, God. And it's very, it's very Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> and with all that, the storm sinks the city to the bottom of the ocean. And we just get just just these waves engulf the entirety and just, it's nothing. It's gone. It was here five seconds ago Mm -hmm. and it's gone. 
Let's flash forward to Washington, D.C., 1914. I just I just have a couple of notes about our setting here. <laughs> okay, tell me about I just them. want everyone to keep in mind that it's not realistic for this expedition to have taken place in pre-World War I America. All right. In 1914, I mean, really? So who do we have, Carrie? This is where we meet Milo Thatch, played by Michael J. Fox. He is a linguist and cartographer who works at the Smithsonian in D.C. And for all of you thirsting over Milo, we get it. Hey, I didn't even say anything and you're already coming for me. I don't, I don't know. You know, that's your thing. All right, all right, all right. Listen, listen to me. Listen, let me explain. All right. Milo Thatch is my ideal man. Uh-huh. He is! Uh-huh. He- Gavin, she didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love Gavin. He reminds me of lo- a lot of Milo because Milo is very, very smart. He's very, very studied, and he's very passionate about the things that he is interested in. And you know me. I'm into maps, and I'm into linguists. So so. you you really feel a spiritual connection with Milo. Absolutely. Back to his proposal board members, who turn out to be inanimate objects. (laughs) He's practicing. He's practicing. He's preparing his proposal for the museum board about an expedition to find the lost city of Atlantis. Mm -hmm. Numerous ancient cultures all over the globe agree that Atlantis possessed a power source of some kind, more powerful than steam, than than coal, more powerful than our modern internal combustion engines. Gentlemen, I propose that we find Atlantis, find that power source, and bring it back to the surface. He introduces to this board, air quote, the Shepherd's Journal, and this apparently this journal that has been lost for who knows how long. That's kind of like, I guess, a how-to guide on Atlantis. I have Google Maps navigation to Atlantis. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Milo, Milo's theory is that this Shepherd's Journal is lost somewhere in Iceland. This work is very important to Milo because finding the city of Atlantis was also his grandfather's legacy. Mm -hmm. Good old Thad. I know. Mm -hmm. Thaddeus Thatch. Mm -hmm. That's a great name. It's a very Jules Verne name. Absolutely. It was his life's work and Milo was raised by his grandfather from a very young age so he's literally always had this in his life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he turns on the light. We see that the board that he was giving the proposal to is just like a bunch of wig heads. Mm -hmm. and like a bunch of office supplies. I feel like the animation style in this is very similar to another Disney film. Can you guess which one I'm thinking of? I'd imagine it would be a Disney film where everybody has flat square fingertips. You're shaking, you're nodding your head, yes, but I still don't know what you're talking Tarzan! That's, you're kind of right! Like, even some of the artifacts down there in the boiler room with him look like some of the artifacts from Trash in the Camp. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, even that hat that he wears, that his grandpa's old hat that he's got, like, on this altar. That's what the imperialist explorers wore! Yeah, like, it looks like something that was sitting on a mount in the camp in Tarzan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, it feels very, it, I, it has Pixar vibes. It's like, I, have I seen that before? <laughs> so we get a message like you would at the bank. <laughs> Through a pneumo tube. Yeah. <laughs> it's a message from the board saying that the meeting that you're supposed to have right now, it's been pushed back to an hour ago. Yeah. Dear Mr. Thatch, this is to inform you that your meeting today has been moved up from 4.30 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. What? Dear Mr. Thatch, due to your absence, the board has voted to reject your proposal. Have a nice weekend, Mr. Harcourt's office. They can't do this to me! This is 
so shady. We get the Scooby-Doo chase for the board members. The board members are giving Milo the old runaround. Like, nobody at the museum can stand Milo. Yeah, because this has been the one thing he's been trying to get pushed through for who knows how long. They think he's a crackpot. If I have to hear the word Atlantis again. I'll step in front of a bus. (laughs) Please do. He chases this old cranky board member into the street and he says, hey, 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 you have to listen to me. (laughs) This is literally the only thing, this is the most important thing in my life. He begins to chase this vehicle with the chairman of the board down the road. (laughs) He jumps on the hood of the car. Threatens resignation. I mean it, sir. If you refuse to fund my proposal. You, what, flush your career down the toilet just like your grandfather? You have a lot of potential, Milo. Don't throw it all away chasing fairy tales. But I can prove Atlantis exists. You want to go on an expedition? Here, take a trolley to the Potomac and jump in. Maybe the cold water will clear your head. I just hate this because everybody from the jump is telling Milo that this is impossible. Yeah, and they're saying, this is this is crazy. None of this exists. You, Your head is full of dreams. So Milo comes home all dejected. <laughs> Fluffy. <laughs> Here, kitty. He's so defeated. (laughs) He wants his cat. The lights don't work. (laughs) Oh, no. Milo James Thatch. Who are you? How how did you get in here? I came down the chimney. Ho, ho, ho. My name is Helga Sinclair. I'm acting on behalf of my employer, who has a most intriguing proposition for you. There is a very strange and beautiful blonde woman in his apartment. I just love Smash of Thunder. Milo James Thatch. She knew his middle name. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? What do you want? (laughs) I came down the chimney. Ho, ho, ho. I love that. Helga. This is Helga. This is Helga Sinclair. She is a very early indication of my queerness. <laughs> I know, right? Be- because she is not a huge part of this plot, but I pay an inordinate amount of attention to her. You know how you're not supposed to be attracted to cartoons? Yeah. But, like, we yeah. still are. No, yeah, no. And, 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 like, why are half of the people in this film... <laughs> attractive? Attractive They're... and thick. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Oh, my God. And so Helga represents um, Mr. Whitmore, a Preston Whitmore, who has an extremely intriguing proposition for Milo. She takes him in the dead of night in a <laughs> thunderstorm to, I don't know, Whitmore Manor. <laughs> and I have, a, I have a fan theory. What? Preston Whitmore is an ancestor of President Thomas Whitmore. Oh, from Independence, from Independence Day? Day. <laughs> <laughs> Whitmore's a very eccentric millionaire. He's voiced by John Mahoney. He's the dad from Frasier. Oh, God. <laughs> is he really? Yes, he is. Oh, we should have mentioned that. Damn. <laughs> no, cool. I, just, I figured I'd come to it when I came to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is Whitmore doing when we first meet him, Ross? I can only assume that this is yoga. <laughs> yeah, no. In 1914, I don't know if it would be heard of, but <laughs> at least in America. But he is basically, he's basically just trying to crack all his limbs apart. <laughs> because every move he makes, there's a crack, crack, crickety, crack, 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 crack. And I'm like, ah, it makes me uncomfortable. Preston Whitmore, pleasure to meet you, Milo. Join me in a little yoga? Uh, no, no, thank you. Did you really know my grandfather? Oh, yeah. Middle fattiest back in Georgetown. Class of 66. We stayed close friends till the end of his days. Whitmore was best friends with Milo's grandfather. As we learned from the gigantic painting on Whitmore's mantle. I have a theory. They were gay? Lovers. (laughs) 
I mean, hey, I like, would. He just turns to Milo and is like, well, your grandfather was my boyfriend, Milo, and <laughs> I loved him very dearly. And here's the thing. Whitmore has the journal. I know. He gives Milo this package. He's like, your grandfather gave this to me. It's the shepherd's journal. Mr. Whitmore, this journal is the key to finding the lost continent of Atlantis. Atlantis. <laughs> Wasn't born yesterday, son. No, no, no. Look, look, at, look at this. He has the shepherd's journal. And this just sends Milo into a tizzy. Oh, he is flabbergasted. Milo's just like, hmm, everything I've ever wanted is happening all at once. Whitmore keeps poo-pooing the idea of Atlantis really existing, and what he's really doing is he's testing Milo. Mm -hmm. He's making sure that Milo is still all in for this. Exactly. I will find Atlantis on my own. I mean, if I have to rent a rowboat. Congratulations, Milo. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. But to get the rowboat, son, we'll travel in style. Whitmore is fully prepared to fund an entire expedition to Atlantis. Everything is ready to go. They have the crew that found the journal. Mm -hmm. They have scientists. They have mercenaries. They have a submarine. And like you just, they've got this big submarine, which is called the USS Ulysses. Really? That's what it's called. Oh, that's great. The submarine is called the Ulysses. Because isn't Ulysses the Roman version of Odysseus? Yes. 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 I love it. And I mean, they've got, they're equipped with everything. They've got this gigantic submarine to get there. They have many hundred submarines to go, you know, out and explore once they get deeper. Subpods. Yeah. They have, they have, you know, a battalion of trucks, men to spare. They have a, um, they have a dirigible that is going to take them back to the surface if need be. They have a digger. Yeah, they have this gigantic digger. Let's not forget all of our wonderful core expedition crew. Best of the best. Gaetan Moliere, geology and excavation. Anna's a nose for dirt. Vincenzo Santorini, demolitions. Busted him out of a Turkish prison. Audrey Ramirez, don't let her age fool you. She's forgotten more about engines than you and I'll ever know. They had the same crew that brought the journal back. Who was it? Iceland. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. So Milo's in. Yeah. He is. He's so excited. He can't even hold it in. <laughs> Cut to Milo not holding it in. <laughs> he's throwing up over the side of a ship. Who do we meet just before we board the submarine? We re-meet Lieutenant Helga Sinclair. Mm-hmm, I know. She's not just some hot broad in some fur and a dress. She's also the second in command of this sub. I know, a woman in 1914. I love it. (laughs) I absolutely love it. And then we also meet Cookie. He's the chuck wagon cook, voiced by Jim Varney. Jed Clampett himself, everybody. Yep. (laughs) He's arguing with Helga about the types of provisions they're taking with them. What is this? That would be lettuce. Lettuce. Lettuce! It's a vegetable cookie. The men need the four basic food groups. I got you four basic food groups. Beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. All right, cowboy, pack it up and move it out. We also have Vincenzo Santorini. Vinny. He's Italian, and he is their demolitions expert. He has a proclivity for pyrotechnics. He likes to blow things up. Where have we heard him? Oh, Don Novello was in, um, um... Casper. Casper, that's right. He was the priest that came on with... As no problem. (laughs) Piece of cake. Excuse me. Excuse me? You you dropped your dynamite. Uh, What else have you uh, got in there? Oh, eh, kind of powder, nitroglycerin, notepads, fuses, wicks, glue, and paper clips. Big ones. You know, just the office supplies. 
We also have Audrey, mm-hmm. Puerto Rican engineer Audrey Ramirez. Mm-hmm. She is 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has more engineering knowledge than any man there. Yeah. And I just, oh, I love it. It's a multi-million dollar expedition, and she is the trusted head of engineering. Jeez, I used to take lunch money from guys like this. We also have Mrs. Packard. She's the lady who runs communications through the sub. She's very uh, monotone and is always inexplicably on the phone with her friend Margie. Once again, 1914. How are we holding a telephone conversation with someone on the surface 100 miles away? So I says to him, what's wrong with my meatloaf? And he says to me, oh, hold on a second, Margie. I got another call. Sir, we're approaching coordinates. Whitmore's escorting Milo onto the ship. Who do we meet as we're boarding the ship? We meet Commander Rourke, who's voiced by James Garner. He's leading this expedition. You know who he reminds me of? Who? Clayton. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's the same kind of uh, upside down triangle kind of build. Yeah. He's just a big army looking guy. His jaw is square. It is. Mm -hmm. And he also led the expedition that found the journal Mm -hmm. in Iceland. So he actually knew Milo's grandpa. A lot of the people on this crew at least met Milo's grandpa. Mm -hmm. Milo, where you been? I want you to meet Commander Rourke. He led the Iceland team that brought the journal back. Milo Thatch. Pleasure to meet the grandson of old Thaddeus. See you got that journal. Nice pictures, but I prefer a good Western myself. I prefer a good Western myself. Shut up. It's funny, because James Garner was famous for the Western stuff. Shut up, Commander Rourke. (laughs) We know what you're trying to do. I love it when they drop the Ulysses into the ocean. Uh Uh-huh. Diving officers, emerge the ship. Dive, dive, dive. And just like, I love just the shot of it free-falling. Oh, yeah, and Milo's in the window, like, looking out. mm -hmm. Oh, God, that's the part that makes me emotional. Yeah, I know. And just, like, you get the shot of it going down, and, you know, it reminds me of the mirrors. Yeah, Yeah. the mirror submersibles (laughs) on the... How many times are you going to bring up the Titanic today? There's there's comparisons, (laughs) I'm just saying. All the music in this movie makes me so emotional. James Newton Howard, man. It's James Newton Howard. He is the real one. It slaps of adventure and makes me want to run out into the wilderness, even though I've been declawed. Exactly. I'd never survive out there, but it really makes me want to go. Exactly. We get into the bunks in the submarine, and we meet Mole. Ross, do you want to talk about Mole? Gaetan Moliere. <laughs> Geology and excavation. Moliere is a French um, microbiologist, I guess? No, he's like a dig expert. He's, yeah. he can He can literally look at a piece of sediment and tell you exactly where it came from. Like, Milo just wants to chill for a second, right? So he gets in his bunk. Mole's apparently right above him. <laughs> and... He goes, you have disturbed the dead. (laughs) And he's like, what, what, what what are you talking about? You have disturbed the dead. (laughs) And like he pulls Milo out of the bed and we see that there's mounds of dirt with little (laughs) flags planted in them, like from different nations. (laughs) Apparently the soil that he's looking after. It's like they're his babies. He has a dirt collection. Yeah. (laughs) Milo is just, you know what he says? England cannot merge with France. England must never merge with France. (laughs) What have you done? England must never merge with What's it doing in my bed? You ask too many questions. Who asked? Who said you? Speak up. Me, Mo literally takes a pair of tweezers, plucks something from under Milo's fingernail, puts it under a microscope. Just play it. Parchment fiber from the 
higher delta, circa 500 BC, lead pencil number two, paint flakes of a type used in government buildings, you have a cat, short hair Persian, two years old, third and a litter of seven. These are all the microscopic finger points of the map maker. He has Milo's entire backstory. He knows that Milo has a cat. I know. He knows that the cat, he knows what number the cat was in its litter. <laughs> like, mole, where are you getting this from? Where's the brain power coming from? Then all of that gets interrupted by Joshua Strong Bear Sweet. I love Joshua Sweet. Yes, absolutely. He's a sweetie. You know he is. He is half black, half Native American, Arapaho specifically. A beautiful mix. Absolutely. And he is the chief medical officer. Oh yeah, now what have I told you about playing nice with the other kids? Get back. I've got soap and I'm not afraid to use it. Back to our creature. Back to the pit from which you came. A name Sweet. Joshua Sweet. Medical officer. Yeah, Milo Thatch. Milo gets called to the bridge to brief the entire crew on the expedition. Mm-hmm. What they hope to find, what they might encounter along the way. Milo says that to find the entrance to Atlantis, they have to look for something called the Leviathan, which is rumored to be this giant crustaceous beast that guards the entrance. Mm-hmm. Milo doesn't think that's actually the case. He's like, it's probably just a drawing on a wall. Yeah. It, it just to scare people. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not actually going to encounter anything. And he describes this whole process by which they're going to actually get to Atlantis. See, according to the journal, the path to Atlantis will take us down a tunnel at the bottom of the ocean and will come up a curve into an air pocket right here, where we'll find the remnants of an ancient highway that will lead us to Atlantis. Kind of like the grease trap in your sink. Cartographer, linguist, plumber. Hard to believe he's still single. I love Helga. Oh my god. (laughs) So speaking of the Leviathan, they enter a ship graveyard. Oh my god. And they're like, they've got the floodlights on the ocean floor, and you just see, and Milo's just like, hmm, there are ships here from every era. (laughs) And you're like, oh, Really? (laughs) Not the first people to come looking, huh? We see this creepy thing moving around in the shadows, and Mrs. Packard is like, Commander. Yes, Mrs. Packard, what is it? I'm picking up something on the hydrophone I think you should hear. Put it on speakers. And like, I just love the look on everybody's faces. It's like going through the ship and you're like, oh my God. And you can see this gigantic thing lurking around in the background. And I'm like, you look at how big it is compared to the Ulysses. Oh, just when they think the noises have stopped, the Leviathan attacks. This thing is realized to be not a creature. Not a cave painting. It's a mechanical ship. It's a giant metal lobster looking thing. It's a giant metal lobster robot. The whole ship thrashes and Milo gets thrown against the window Mm -hmm. and he can see it's one metallic eye. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Christmas, it's a machine. I have another thing to say. What? I'm just going to say it periodically. (laughs) This is 1914. When the Leviathan hits the ship for the first time, they are all immediately dead. And you cannot tell me different. They all would have been flown into something metal and died. I mean, At the amount of force that it hits the Ulysses with. Probably, But I get it. It's a children's animated film. I'm just going to have to be prepared for you to be this way. All righty. So we get this whole battle with the Leviathan, right? And we start to realize, hmm, Ulysses can't really take this thing on. Audrey's on the phone with Rourke like, hey, we're taking on too much water. I don't want to be here when the water hits the boilers. Yeah. Titanic. Yeah, (laughs) because it'll cause an explosion. And they're even talking about watertight bulkheads. Yeah. Shut (laughs) them. Shut them 
now. And like Helga and Rourke are like, let's go. Let's get abandoned ship. And so everyone gets into pods. And every and I love how I love the shot of all the pods shooting away from the ship. And then Ulysses just breaking apart and exploding. And you're like, oh my God, there were so many people on board. I know. We'll get back to that. Yeah. And so we get this elaborate chase away from the Leviathan in which many other people die. They're going down into this tunnel. They find it. Yeah, just like Milo said. And mm-hmm. he is wigging. It's only a grease trap. It's just like a sink. It's only a grease trap. It's just like a sink. But you know what else this thing can do? This Leviathan thing can do? It, it can, can shoot lightning bolts underwater? I, that's what I said. I'm like, it can't be lightning bolts. They're underwater. I, th- I think it's crystal power. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh-huh. Finally, the Leviathan is gone. It can't get to them anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They make it into this little air pocket. And like, we're having this vigil. Because like, you know, think about it. I, I you always think you always forget about it after you watch the film. A lot of people just died. Yeah, they started out with like 200 men and women, and now there's probably 30 people left. Yeah. And it's all of our principal crew and then a couple of other faceless guys in face masks. Rourke gets up in front of everybody and says, "I won't sugarcoat it, gentlemen. We have a crisis on our hands. We've been up this particular creek before and we've always come through paddle or no paddle. I see no reason to change that policy now." Looks like all our chances for survival rest with you, Mr. Thatch. You and that little book. We're all gonna die. No pressure, Milo. Yeah, Milo's literally gotta map them all the way to Atlantis. They have to navigate this intricate cave system to find the city of Atlantis. Which, I mean, I guess, I don't know if they built it. Or what? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking that Atlantis must just be inside this shelf on the ocean floor or something. Even though Milo literally holds their lives in his hands, they have little to no respect for him because he's the idealistic dork who's here for knowledge and they're all just here for money. They get to this bridge that has this glowing formation above it, like this yellowish green lamp kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This is where Rourke decides they're going to camp before they go across this bridge. And they're at Chow around the campfire. Milo is going on about how the shepherd's journal appears to be missing a page. See, in this passage here, the shepherd seems to be leading up to something. He calls it the heart of Atlantis. It could be the power source the legends refer to, but but then it just, it cuts off. It's almost like there's a missing page. Wink, wink. (laughs) We'll come back to the missing page. We'll come back to that. So we get settled down for sleep. Milo gets up in the middle of the night to take a leak. and he It's actually to poop. What difference does it make? Because he's got the shovel and <laughs> toilet paper roll around it. Okay, fine. He's getting up to shit and bury it. All right. As long as we have the facts. And, you know, there's that lamp at the top of the cave. That yellowish green thing. And he's got a torch, a flashlight. And all of these fireflies start bugging him. Because he shines the light into the lamp. And so he... They are legit fireflies, too. <laughs> they sure are. Everything they touch catches an inferno. Fire! 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 He goes, oh, fire! 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 And he's running through camp with all of these bugs after him, and they just set the entire camp aflame. So everyone gets into the convoy and starts moving multiple multi-ton vehicles over this bridge that is thousands of years old all at the same time. Uh Uh-huh. And one of the trucks explodes while they're going across the bridge. More men dead. More men dead. (laughs) And it causes the bridge to break down the middle 
and for everything to slide backwards into the chasm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's literally rolling downhill, and they all crash at the bottom. <laughs> Just the black. It's completely black, and you see Rourke strike a match. All right, who's not dead? Sound off. Go ahead. Dang, lightning bugs done bit me on my set upon. And most of us are okay. Yeah, somehow no one who is still alive is maimed. Yeah. And Mole informs them, uh, quite precariously, that they are in the bottom of a dormant volcano. (laughs) It's not the best place to be standing. Yeah. But no one can find Milo. He's somewhere else. He comes to with these strange people in masks staring at him. These masks are the size of these people, too. I don't know how they're jumping around and supporting him. And we've been we've been seeing these people lurking around them the whole time they've been underground. Yeah, they've kind of been giving them the golem treatment. Like, they're just kind of following these, them. Just like these blue glowing masks. And you're like, ooh, what's going on there? One of them lifts the mask, and it's this beautiful Huaman with white hair and this blue crystal around her neck. Mm-hmm. She sees that he's bleeding pretty badly, so she literally just touches this crystal to the wound, and it completely heals it. Yeah. Like, it's it's freaky. And Milo's like, what? 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 Excuse? <laughs> and then we hear the digger. The digger's like, oh, we got to get out of here. It's a door of volcano. And then they, they take off. The Atlanteans take off. And then Milo's chasing after them. I love the whole, like, cave they're going through. I want to know how the digger got through there so quickly. But like we said, children's film. Milo's chasing them out of the cave system. And the digger breaks through the cave wall behind him. And they're on this cliff. And all of a sudden, they're staring at the lost city of Atlantis. Atlantis is situated on this plateau in the middle of this chasm. There's water, like, flowing over the whole island that it's on. Yeah. And it just looks very, very pretty. And we have all of these, you know creatures that probably haven't been seen for thousands of years. Like, they almost look like dinosaurs. It's like a perfect time capsule of everything that was going on up there. And I want to know how this entire ecosystem is existing underground. Oh, stop it. No, listen to me. If we get caught up in the logistics of- We find out. Well, we find out how it's existing. We kind of find out, but I have a feeling it's not going to be to your satisfaction. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. And this is where we learn that Atlanteans will be able to understand you. The Atlanteans descend on them, mm. and, and the crew is shook because they didn't think there were going to be people down here. Yeah. Milo starts slowly communicating with them in Atlantean. he's the only one that speaks Atlantean. What we realize is that they can speak all the languages of the surface world. He says something to her in Italian, and she responds in Italian. And then he tries French, and she responds in French. This is linguam romai. Parlez-vous français? Oui, monsieur. They speak my language. Pardon, mademoiselle. Voulez-vous... I like her. Hmm. About time someone hit him. I'm just sorry it wasn't me. Mole goes nuts. Oh, he does. <gasps> they speak my language. Pardon, mademoiselle. He, like, gets Kita to... 
come down to him and he whispers something in her ear, which makes her promptly punch his fucking lights out. <laughs> I love it. Something naughty and not okay. I love Kida. I do too. She's the little girl from the beginning. She is. She is voiced by Cree Summer, like we said at the top. Mm-hmm. The princess of Atlantis. Her father is the king. She's taking them to see the king and Milo is giddy. Okay, um, first of all, let's talk about the way they get onto the plateau. <laughs> Across that rope bridge? You know what's at the bottom of the chasm? Lava. Boiling lava. Because get where are we? At the bottom of a volcano. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what connects the cliff to this plateau? A rickety rope bridge. A very old rope bridge <laughs> that they are driving these heavy-ass vehicles across. <laughs> Not the digger, but like, you know. Didn't we just go through this? Yeah. Didn't we just have Didn't an incident? just have an incident like this? Anyway, they get to the island. So we go to the king. The king is not at all happy to see anybody. No, he's like, these white men are dangerous. They are not to be trusted. Exactly. Like, literally, if I could just sum it up. This is Leonard Nimoy, by the way. Oh, yeah. Voicing the king. He's like, live long and prosper. Reject the white faces. We can't play any of this exchange between him and Kida because it's all in Atlantean. Exactly. But basically, he's saying, you know... Kida, you know that no outsiders are allowed to see this city and live. He's mad that she didn't kill them in the cave. Exactly. She's like, you should have killed these fuckers. Milo's the only one who can understand any of it, so he knows they're in the shit. Exactly. And Rourke is trying to tell the king that they're peaceful explorers. Mm -hmm. Chill out. (laughs) But we are peaceful explorers, men of science. (laughs) And yet you bring weapons. Our weapons allow us to remove obstacles we may encounter. Some obstacles cannot be removed with a mere show of force. Return to your people. You must leave Atlantis. And the king can smell the grave-robbing colonialist stench on them. And he's like, get out. Leave my city. You are nothing but trouble to me. And Rourke's just like, okay, but like, just like, just give us like one night. Like, like that'll give us ample time to re-up, resupply, and then we'll be out of here forever. And the king's like, fine, I give you one night. Don't make any noise. <laughs> Kita is really upset about all of this because she's excited to see people down here who might be able to help them. Yeah. They are still a functioning society down here, but they're not thriving. They're barely hanging on. Yeah, you know, Kida's just like explained to her father, you know, like, listen. We were once a great people, now we live in ruins. The kings of our past would weep if they could see how far we have fallen. Kida. If these outsiders can unlock the secrets of our past, perhaps we can save our future. These people could maybe help us. Not to mention that they're all probably really tired, considering they're all 9,000 years old. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And not aging. So the crew volunteers Milo to be the one to cozy up to Kida and get more information about the city. Mm -hmm. Which is not difficult. (laughs) Kida is already excited to talk to him. Everyone else goes shopping. (laughs) Milo is waiting for Kida. But Kida literally, like, naps him. And she jumps out of the shadows and snatches him. And she goes, I have some questions for you and you are not leaving the city until they are answered. Well, I... Okay. She starts showing him around the island, and they're asking each other questions about each other's worlds. Mm -hmm. We learn two crazy things right off the bat. Number one, 
the gods were the ones who supposedly struck Atlantis to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, she says the gods were jealous of Atlantis for, like, rising too far above their station, I guess. That sounds like some history revision to me, but... I hope the gods strike us down. Oh, my God. (laughs) We've been asking for it. We so have. And number two, Kida was there. Yep. And, you know, she explains to him about how her mother was taken and she doesn't really know what happened. I'm sorry. If If it's any consolation... I know how you feel because I lost my... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, back up. We, we, what are you telling me? Do you remember because you were there? No, that's, that's impossible because, I mean, that would make you, you know, 85, 88, 100 years old. Yes. And Milo's like, wait a minute. That's impossible. You'd have to be like 8,000 years old. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Looking good. That was me. And you know what else we learned? What? We also learned that they can no longer understand or read their own written language. They can speak it, but they can't read it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I bet they lost all their books when they sank to the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) The library was just outside of the dome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they have no way to teach their younger generations how to read. Mm -hmm. And And she quickly quickly becomes aware of the fact that Milo can both read and speak Atlantean. You you can understand this? Yes, I'm a linguist. That's what I do. That's my job. Now, uh, getting back to my question. This, right here. You can read this. Yes, yes, I can read Atlantean, just like you. You can't, can you? No one can. Such knowledge has been lost to us since the time of the Mebermok. Oh, the Great Flood. This opens up so much for her mm-hmm. through Milo. Kita takes him to this grotto where she tells him that there is a mural that has, a, that has writing all around it about the big light she saw in the sky when her mother disappeared. Mm-hmm. And she can't understand it. So she's like, please translate this for me. And Milo thinks that the mural is going to be above ground. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It is underwater. Mm-hmm. He turns and sees Kita taking off her skirt to get in the water. Uh, Kita? Uh. <laughs> what are you doing? You do swim, do you not? Oh, I swim pretty girl. Pretty good, pretty good. Good, swim good, pretty good. I swim pretty good. What a dork. I love him. He strips down to his underthings, and I just love he gets into the water, and his shorts just fill up with air. (laughs) (laughs) He has no game. I love it, though. Mm -hmm. He's so sweet. They swim down to this mural of the large star that Kida remembers, and Milo starts translating. And this is where he realizes that the star is the heart of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. The heart of Atlantis? What? It's the heart of Atlantis. That's what the shepherd was talking about. It wasn't a star, it was, it was some kind of crystal, uh, like these. Don't you get it? The power source I've been looking for, the bright light you remember, they're the same thing. It cannot be. It's what's keeping all of these things, and you, all of Atlantis, alive. It's the answer to the question, how have they survived down here for 9,000 years? It's because of this sentient crystal. It is sentient, too. It is. It's like alive, in a way. In a way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And Milo realizes that the reason he doesn't know any of this is because of the missing page from the journal. Mm -hmm. I'll give you one guess as to who has the missing page of the journal. Rourke. So we resurface. And Rourke is waiting for Milo and Kida with a bunch of men and guns. Mm-hmm. and Including the crew. Yeah, all yeah. of our friends. Yeah, or we thought. Yeah, we sure thought they were our friends. Milo puts it together pretty quickly that they are mercenaries who have decided, fuck science, 
we're going to steal this power source for profit because Rourke thinks it's a big diamond. Yeah. You don't know what you're tampering with, Rourke. What's to know? It's big, it's shiny, it's going to make us all rich. You think it's some kind of a diamond. I thought it was some kind of a battery, but we're both wrong. It's their life force. That crystal is the only thing keeping these people alive. You take that away and they'll die. Well, that changes things. Helga, what do you think? Knowing that, I'd double the price. I was thinking triple. It's all so cartoonishly evil. Yeah. And Rourke provides the same excuse that every grave-robbing scientist with good intentions ever had, describing it as the preserving of artifacts for the scientific community, Mm -hmm. instead of really just stealing and appropriating things from other cultures to put them in museums and exploit for profit. The white men came to America for gold, and they took it. The white men came to Pandora for the Jesus tree, and now... (laughs) Yeah. Now they're in Atlantis for the heart of Atlantis. So yeah, these are mm, these are repeating themes of colonialism. The Jesus tree. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it's the called. Awa. Is that what it's called? In an avatar? Awa? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm... Awa is the crystal of Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> So they take both Milo and Kida hostage, and they storm the palace with guns, and Rourke starts shaking the king down for the location of the crystal chamber. President Nimoy, you tell me where it's at! (laughs) Rourke works him over in the abdomen area. I love how they don't show us him actually hitting him. It's like, oh no, we can't. No, it's Disney. It's Disney. Much too much violence. Like, we can have all these other guns and people being murdered, but like, no. <laughs> Let's not beat up an old man. Exactly. And I also love how they do not subtitle what Kida says to him after he hits her dad. Play it. How about it, Chief? Where's the crystal chamber? You will destroy yourselves. Maybe I'm not being clear. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what she said, but I know it was very unkind. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of Sweet's breaking point because he's a doctor. And he's like, hey, 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 this was not part of the deal. It was not. He took an oath to do no harm, and they are officially doing harm. And Rourke's just like, plans change, Sweet. <laughs> And just the way that he just literally just sits down in the throne. Oh, yeah, this is his house now. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I have the guns. You ain't shit. And he's literally, he just points the gun at the king. He's like, I'm, I'm gonna going count to count to ten. And you're going to tell me where that crystal is. One, two, nine, ten. And that's where you see Rourke kind of figure it out on his own. Like, as you can see from the throne, you can see the stepping stones in the little lake in front of the throne. It's like a little reflecting pool. It makes the symbol of the heart of Atlantis. The heart of Atlantis lies in the eyes of her king. This is it. We're in. Rourke, for the last time, you've got to listen to me. You don't have the slightest idea what this power is capable of. True, but I can think of a few countries who'd pay anything to find out. They go stand on the middle of that platform. And I guess that's just that's just the magic word. Just stand on it, and it literally starts to sink into the ground. And so it's Rourke, Sinclair, Kida, and Milo that go down on it. And we get lowered all the way into this deep, deep chamber. And at the bottom, it's just full of water. And we see in the middle of the chamber is this, you know, the bright ball of light from the beginning of the film. And surrounding it are these 
carved stones, these huge boulders that have these faces carved in them. And they're all glowing blue, and it's really cool. It's the likeness of the old king. Yeah, and then they get to the bottom, and Keita's just, Keita, like, lets loose a tear. Oh, she's overcome. And she's like, the kings of our past. It's like she's kneeling at the bones of Jesus Christ or something. And it's been here the whole time, and they've never known. And Rourke's like, all right, Milo, now what? <laughs> None of us have ever been here before, but now what do we do? How do we get it down? How do we get it down? Get it down here. And Milo's like, I don't even know how it's up there. <laughs> like, stop. I, I can't get it down. I don't even know what's holding it up there. The crystal recognizes there's royal blood in the room. Yeah. Kida's eyes light up all of the sudden. And like her little crystal around her neck just kind of floats upward. And she just goes, Ma, Tim. She like, feels her mother. Mm-hmm. And she just starts walking towards the crystal. Like, and when she steps out onto the water and begins walking across the water, I went, ooh, they got letters. (laughs) You know they got letters about that. (laughs) They're like, only Jesus walks on water. How dare you? Talk to me, Thatch. What's happening? Look, all it says here is that the crystal is alive somehow. I don't know how to explain it. It's their their deity. It's their power source. Speak English, Professor. They're a part of it. It's a part of them. I'm doing the best I can here. And Kida turns to Milo and says in Atlantean, All will be well, Milo Thatch. Be not afraid. Yeah, and she's like, it's going to be okay. You just stick with this, okay? This escalation and crescendo in the score uh-huh. as she is walking across the water is so gorgeous. Kita, as if she was born knowing how, is walking across the water to where the crystal is suspended. This moment that still gives me that feeling of like, you know, I feel like there's so much we don't know about the power of this entity. You know, it's still so mysterious, but you still feel like it's all going to work out for the good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she gets sucked up into this crystal. What we don't realize here is that this is literally Atlantis sensing danger and defending itself the way it did at the very beginning. Because the crystal's sentient. Uh Uh-huh. And so it sucks her up into the crystal, and then all those stones start going around and around and around very quickly. The three on the ground are like, "Mm, (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. Kida bonds with the crystal. And it literally takes her physical form. Yeah. So now it's Crystal Kida. (laughs) And Kida comes back down and walks back to them. And as she's walking back to them, I love this shot. Like all of the stones falling out of the sky because they don't have a crystal to center around anymore. Oh, no, we've unplugged it. Yeah, (laughs) we we unplugged Atlantis. (laughs) And as, as she's walking towards them, as these stones fall into the water, I love how the water like washes up over her but like it doesn't touch her it doesn't touch her because there's this fear around her i just do you love this scene or do you love this i know i love it even though Keita's become a god rourke still manages to imprison her for transport back to the surface yeah they put her in this vault you can tell that nobody on the crew is exactly happy about how all of this turned out yeah they're like all getting ready to go and like milo's like i can't believe you all you're wiping out an entire civilization but hey You'll be rich. Congratulations, Audrey. 
Guess you and your dad will be able to open up that second garage after all. And Vinny, you, you can start a whole chain of flower shops. I'm sure your family's gonna be very proud. But that's what it's all about, right? Money. Milo's just like, we cannot do this. If you take this away, they are all going to die. And, you know, Rourke makes the point. I think this happened earlier, but Rourke does make the point. Like, listen, Thatch, like (laughs) everything in your precious little museum has been taken from somebody else. Like, I don't want to hear it. This is our contribution to the archaeological community. I thought you were going to say this is our culture. And I'm like, yep. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm sorry, white people. Part of our culture, quote unquote, is taking things from black and brown cultures and putting them on display for profit. At least America. At least in America. And Great Britain, I'm looking at you too. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm looking at you. (laughs) Who steps away first? It's finally Audrey, who is the youngest one here. Uh Uh-huh. Who says to herself, yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, this is too evil. I can't tell myself I'm doing this for my family and ruin hundreds of other families in the process. And so she goes and she helps Milo up. And she's staring at everybody else like, well, come on. Vinny goes over and Sweet goes over and Mole scampers over. I just love Mrs. Packard. Just finishes her cigarette and goes, we're all gonna die. Oh, you can't be serious. This is wrong and you know it. We're this close to our biggest payday ever and you pick now of all times to grow a conscience? We've done a lot of things we're not proud of. Robbing graves, uh, plundering the tombs, double parking. But nobody got hurt. Well, maybe somebody got hurt, but nobody we knew. So Rourke's like, suit yourselves, idiots. He drives off in the convoy and they blow the bridge up behind them as they leave. Mm-hmm. So they can't even run after them now. Exactly. And this is where Sweet brings to our attention, uh, Milo, King's not in great shape. Yeah. So back in the palace, the king is dying from internal bleeding. Because Rourke killed him. Yeah, Rourke basically killed him. And he starts explaining to Milo exactly what has happened with Kida. Mm-hmm. She has been chosen like her mother before her. What? In times of danger, the crystal will choose a host, one of royal blood, to protect itself and its people. It will accept no other. So just like her mother before her, Kida has been chosen as a sacrifice to the gods to protect the city from danger. The love of my daughter is all I have left. My burden would have become hers when the time was right. But now, it falls to you. Me? Return the crystal. Save Atlantis. Save my daughter. And then he dies! Bye! Goodbye! Yeah. Long live the king! No more Dumbledore to help you anymore, Harry. Yeah, no kidding! (laughs) And I just, I love Milo's little freak out here Uh because it's so appropriate. He's so McReady. Yeah. Sweet's like, all right, what are we gonna do? And Milo's like, oh, you want me to figure this out? Yeah. Let's recap! Yeah. I lead a band of plundering vandals to the greatest archaeological find in recorded history, thus enabling the kidnap and or murder of the royal family. Not to mention personally delivering the most powerful force known to man in the hands of a mercenary nutcase who's probably going to sell it to the Kaiser! Have I left anything out? Well, you did set the camp on fire and drop us down that big hole. Thank you. Thank you very much. I love you, Milo. I love you so much. Because, again, he's again. this is his low point, but he still has a sense of humor about it. Yeah. 
So Milo's like, yeah, we're going after Rourke. It's non-negotiable. He can't let them kill all of these people. And, you know, we kind of skipped over this earlier, but Keita showed him these hovercrafts that we saw in the beginning. No one knows how to work them anymore. No one, ho- no one knows how to drive the big fish. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they can't read the instructions. Exactly. I love it. There's a panel of instructions, just like you would see on a lawnmower. This is how they're going to get across the chasm. Yeah. Since they don't have a bridge. He shows them all. He does this quick little uh, hovercraft 101. Yeah. You operate them with crystals. Insert the crystal. Quarter turn right. Yeah. Half turn back. Exactly. They have a touchpad for crying out loud. Touch it gently, though. (laughs) Touch it gently. (laughs) Because, like, putting your whole palm on it is full throttle. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. They literally have smart technology. They do. All right, this is it. We're going to rescue the princess. We're going to save Atlantis. But we're going to die trying. Now let's do it. We fly the fish (laughs) into the volcano. Yeah. We come across Rourke at the bottom of the dormant volcano where they fell after the firefly incident. They shoot an explosive all the way to the top of this volcano to destroy the top of it so they can get out. Yeah, that dirigible you mentioned earlier. They're going to use the dirigible to hoist Kida all the way out of the shaft. Mm -hmm. This whole fight scene is so chaotic. I I love it. There's enough space inside the shaft of this volcano to have a full-on fire. Firefight. So Milo, Sweet, Audrey, Vinny, Mole, they're all on hovercraft. Along with Atlantean soldiers. Yeah. They're going to rescue the princess. I know. It's just so it's adventure. It's very Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Rourke's like, all right, we got company. Yeah. Here's the thing about Rourke. Rourke doesn't just have guns. He has airplanes with guns on them. Where were these? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Where have they been keeping these? Like, how did the airplanes make it off of the Ulysses? Yeah. Like, obviously it came with their big pod, but, like, they left their big pod back at the air pocket. (laughs) Where did the planes fucking come from, dude? Did you assemble them? Were they in the trucks? Like It could be. It could be. But they are prepared for the Atlanteans and the crew when they show up. Just a very King Kong scene here. Yeah, the balloon is going up the shaft and there's planes and hovercrafts swirling around it. Mm-hmm. Milo gets very brave. Oh, yeah. He decides that the best way to bring down this hot air balloon is to pop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Milo. This is it. Any last words? Yeah, I really wish I had a better idea than this. He literally leans on the gas, flies the hovercraft into the balloon. And and jumps off at the last second. Yeah. Rourke and Helga start throwing things overboard to lighten the load. And Rourke tries to throw Helga overboard. She goes, well, that's it, unless anyone wants to jump. Ladies first. And he throws her off the ship. (laughs) Only she is clever enough to use her acrobatic skills to vault herself back onto the ship and just kick him in the face with her heel boots. (laughs) It's so hot. Yeah. (laughs) Shut up. Oh my god. I'm sorry. I've been on my best behavior and up until this like, point. You said we were in this together. You said we were in this together. <laughs> you promised me a percentage. Next time, get it in writing. <laughs> Nothing personal. Nothing personal is what he says. <laughs> like, oh my god. 
So Milo descends on Rourke Mm -hmm. after having climbed down the side of the balloon, and this encounter is going about the way you would expect a confrontation between an academic and a mercenary would go. (laughs) Like, Rourke could bend him like a toothpick. Helga is laying half dead at the bottom of this volcano. Everything's going on above her, and she decides, as her last act in this world, she's going to make sure Rourke never gets out. Mm -hmm. Nothing personal. She fires a flare gun into the balloon. Nothing personal. And uh, that about does it. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's really going down. They're not getting out of the top of the volcano. And this is where Rourke starts going after Milo with a hatchet. It's very Mrs. Tweety. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If we're just going to do a direct chain, it's very Mrs. Tweety. My prophet's getting away. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, he busts the glass on the vault that Keita's in, Mm -mm. and it's iced over the glass. Mm -mm. And Milo picks up a shard of that glass, and he cuts Rourke across the forearm with it to get away. It reminds me very much, I don't know what episode of Avatar it is. It's like the episode where they go to Amashu in Avatar, and, like, (laughs) one of the challenges Aang has to do for Boomy, he has to get it done, or else Sokka and Katara are going to, like... Crystallize. Crystallize. That's happening very slowly, though. Yeah. What happens is that Rourke's wound starts crystallizing, Mm -hmm. and it covers him in an instant. He looks like Hades. I know! when, When he gets to the end, like... And his mouth is, like, full of fire? Yeah. Oh, it's trauma! I feel like this is the antithesis of the crystal happening here. Yeah, like the the bad magic it can do versus the good magic. Very dark crystal. Uh, yeah! <laughs> and so, long story short, Rourke gets obliterated into a million pieces when he hits the fan. Thank you. Like, he, he literally hit the fan. And broke apart. That cuts the vault loose. <laughs> the vault and the flaming hot air balloon mm-hmm. smash into the bottom of the volcano. I love that, you know, the best things happen at the best times. <laughs> They're trying to get this vault rigged up. And then, what do you know, this explosion has, what has it done? The volcano! Hey, I had nothing to do with it. This here'd be a good place not to be. No, wait, we gotta get her back or the whole city will die. And if we don't get out of here, we'll die. It's the only way to reverse this. Just do it. Cookie is standing on the top of a ship and he goes, Milo, this looks like a pretty good place not to be right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And so they get this thing rigged up. And they drag her away just in time. I know. Before all the magma begins to fill the chamber. They almost don't get her out of there. I know. The chain detaches and Milo has to go back and get her. Yeah. That's why I love Milo. I know. He's so he's so smart and so shrimpy. And brave. He, that's it, though. He's not afraid. And who said chivalry was dead in 1914? <laughs> I just, he's my dream man. Uh, I love Gavin, you. Gavin, she doesn't mean it. <laughs> Sorry, Gavin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's why I love him, though. And so they fly back to Atlantis, but we still got a problem. There's a volcano exploding on the other side of this wall. They get that vault open, and Kida pops out of uh-huh. the vault. Just like her mother, she rises into the sky, 
and she starts rousing all of these Titan-esque statues. Very touchdown Jesus. Yeah, like <laughs> the one outside Rio de Janeiro. Uh-huh. It's called, I know that statue's called Christ the Redeemer, but like, I love calling him touchdown Jesus. <laughs> And so all the touchdown Jesuses get around the edge of the plateau and the stones of the kings rise out of the courtyard oh, to meet Kita in the sky. One thing about the Atlantean architecture is that it's got all these etchings in it, all over it. And all of these cracks begin to fill with blue light. Oh, it's so beautiful. And it's like the city, she of eggs. <laughs> yes. And all of the touchdown Jesuses, big daddies, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> They surround the plateau, and I love that they just clap. Yeah, they bang their hands together, and they create this shield. Hogwarts is threatened. Man, <laughs> the boundaries. Protect us. <laughs> Always wanted to use that spell. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, just like in the beginning of the film, the city gets covered in this dome of energy, and the lava's just rushing in. Like Milo's looking overhead, and he sees the lava running over the shield. And also, I've never known magma to um, dry this quickly. <laughs> But it does. It just solidifies over the city, and you just get this silent shot of this solid rock, and you're like, oh. Finn? <laughs> Finn? Is that the end? Roll credits! <laughs> Trapped forever. Trapped forever. A thousand <laughs> eyes. Twisted tale. A thousand eyes. <laughs> A lot of connections here. I think you and I are just like squirrel, squirrel. when it comes to movie references. Pretty much. I, if you're still following us, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs> we know we're ridiculous. Like th- We just love this movie. It's so, oh my God. We see the top of the dome just begin to crack and oh. like all the blue light emitting from it. The magma's just falling off of the city and it's like, oh my God, it worked. It freaking worked. We're safe. Milo did it. Exactly. And, you know, we just, it's all of this dust and cloud all around them and just like the one light coming through the clouds and then Kida's body in its original form is coming down. The crystal gave Kida back to Milo. Yeah. It's so sweet. And, you know, she collapses in his arms. He catches her and she's, she's got her bracelet from when she was a baby in her hand. That her mother took up with her. She saw her mother. She saw her mom. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm cr- I'm I'm No. 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 Okay. <gasps> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So when all is said and done, the Atlanteans set the crew up with enough treasure to last six lifetimes. Oh my god, the gold. The solid gold everything. Yeah. Lavish jewels. They're sending them back in a swordfish ship. <laughs> I love that swordfish ship. And so we're saying goodbyes. Milo decides that his place is with the Atlanteans. What's he going to do? Are you sure you want to stay? There's a hero's welcome waiting for the man who discovered Atlantis. Ah, I don't think the world needs another hero. Besides, I hear there's an opening down here for an expert in gibberish. You take good care of yourself, Milo Thatch. Yeah, you too, sweet. Come here. Like, what's he going to do now? He's, like, He's going to be their translator. Exactly. He's going to reinvigorate their literature, their written word. Mm-hmm. He, he could be, I mean, listen, I don't want to get all white savior about this, but he could really help jumpstart the society. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now that I've brought it up. It do, is kind of white savior-y, isn't it? A little bit. Just a little bit. But, like, just one of them. I mean, Milo did clean up the mess that he started. How very Avatar when. 
Yeah, this is what always happens in the colonial movies. Like, the white man comes in, we transplant one of our own into this other society, and then he stays at the end. Mm-hmm. Not John Smith. That baby went back with a gunshot wound, at least in the Disney movie. Good fucking riddance. <laughs> no, fuck John Smith. I'm just saying. Ugh. And Kida's also here. Mm-hmm. His place is with Kida. And so, you know, they take off. Who's taking pictures? It's one of the Atlanteans. It's he's like say yuck, yuck, <laughs> and he gets a shot perfectly without Milo in the picture. Yeah, everybody's like the top of everybody's head is cut off, and so we've got Whitmore looking at all these pictures, and like we see everyone from the crew that made it back in very ornate, fancy millionaire dress. Here's the thing: they got back with all those riches, and they looked Whitmore dead in the face and said, "We didn't find anything." Yeah, I know. Well, well, Whitmore knows. I know Whitmore knows. Whitmore's literally like, this is a meeting like, let's get our story straight. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, what are we going to tell the government? Exactly. No, seriously. (laughs) Now, let's go over it again, just so we got it straight. You didn't find anything. Nope. Just a lot of racks. What happened to Helga? Well, after when a flaming Zeppelin come down on it. Missing. That's right. And Rourke? Nervous breakdown. You could say he went all to pieces. What about Milo? Went down with the sub. So they're getting their story straight. And uh, he's looking through these pictures, and he finds this little package in all the pictures, and it's from Milo. Addressed to him. And he's got inside is a picture of Milo as a little boy with his grandfather. And it's got a little note written on the photograph and a necklace with one of the Atlantean crystals on it. And so the note says, Dear Mr. Whitmore, I hope this piece of proof is enough for you. Sure convinced me. Thanks. From both of us. Milo Thatch. So then we flash back to Atlantis. Guess who to queen now? Kida! Kida! Kida Kaj! What they're doing is, we've just finished etching this gigantic boulder. And it's her father. Yeah. It's a big stone of her father. And she... Like, puts the crystal on it, and it lights up and begins to rise into the sky so that he is now a king of the past. He gets to rotate around the crystal for the rest Mm. of eternity. With the rest of the American presidents. (laughs) It's like, you're right, it's like a spinning Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which, fuck Mount Rushmore. Yeah, fuck Mount Rushmore. Give it back to the Native Americans. And now Kida and Milo get to live in Atlantis for the rest of forever, I guess. I guess. He's going to be Tuck Everlasting. There's an Atlantis too, but we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) No, we absolutely do not. Milo's return, does that mean return to the surface? I hope not. And so we get this, you know, this nice shot panning out from the center of Atlantis and everything is, you know, lush and vibrant and things are going to be okay. so excited to cover this movie because i've literally i was five years old when this came out not even like i was about to be five and i remember you know i just remember in the early part of my life when i was a toddler i was always i always remember you know watching television and watching all the movie ads during commercial breaks from like spongebob or fairly odd parents or whatever and i remember you know atlantis atlantis not only was 
a movie ad that I always saw on television. It was huge. It was huge at the time. I, I, people loved this movie. This was another movie that had a great McDonald's toy campaign. It sure did. It sure did. And I remember trying to collect all the toys from McDonald's. And I remember it also was a film that was advertised before the movie showing on a lot of our VHSs. Yep, because they all came out around the same time. Yeah, and Atlant- and I-, I-, I always remember the trailer from Atlantis playing. It, like, I can just, I can hear it in my head. And it, it's, I guess this, am I going to use the word? Yes. It's nostalgic. <laughs> it's nostalgic for me. I just, I, I love that there's a lot more mystery to, because I mean, I mean, they created a whole language for it, right? Like, I just, I feel like there's this sense of mystery in things that like, there's a lot about this universe that you don't know, but it's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. feel pacified about it. I'm not angry that I don't know more. You know what I mean? Because they wrap it up so beautifully. Would you like to see a live action version of this movie? Yes, I would. The only thing I'm concerned about is the actors alive today <laughs> that I would need to do this film properly. Like, I can't think of a Milo. A believable Milo. Like, I'm sure there's one out there and I'm just not thinking hard enough. You know who would do well as Keita live action? Who? Zoe Saldana. <gasps> yes! But, like, that's kind of like... That's kind of like the role she had in Avatar. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I... Uh... Zendaya could do it, maybe. I think Zendaya would be a fantastic Keita. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God! You know me in world building, just like you in world building. Mm-hmm. I can't get enough of it. This movie has so much fantastic world building. All of the characters are very distinct and have their own personalities and like you don't get anybody mixed up. You couldn't possibly. exactly. And, you know, I feel like this movie is also very brilliantly paced. It's very quick. It is. It, yeah. Like the first 20 minutes, they're like already under the water and like looking for the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Like it just moves so fast. I feel like that's why we haven't spent very long recording this evening mm-hmm. because the movie's so fast paced. It's very well paced. And but also but also well paced. You're right. And so I just this it's, this it, this is leaving you very satisfied is what you're saying. It leaves me very satisfied. This is the kind of art that makes me want to write more things like it. Yeah. And, you know, that have similar effects on people because this is just, this is some good stuff that stays with you from the story to the visuals to the music. I know, I know. You know who could have done Milo? Who? 90s Matt Damon. 90s Matt Damon. (laughs) Too bad we'll never get him back. Too bad. Goodwill hunting Matt Damon could have been Milo. So that's it. You always say it like that. How about this? That's enough. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough oppression yeah. in children's movies for you. Guys, thanks for sticking with us through oppression months that we've been doing here at Kicking and Streaming. It kind of happened unintentionally, didn't it? It did. <laughs> but hey, it's over now. And for those of you who have been suffering with us through this summer, 
We just want you to know that we love you all, and we're glad that you're a part of our watch party. Yeah, you're keeping this going for us, guys, honestly. Yeah, everybody's been going through it this year. Guys, we just need to get to next year. Let's get a vaccine. Let's get back on track. But we've got good things to look forward to the next couple of months. Yeah, we sure do, don't we? Because what we decided is that for August, which is my birthday month, and September, which is your birthday month, we would all, we would both have 100% choosing power of the films we did in those months. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get to go first because August comes first. I was here first. Da-da-da-da-da. Do you want me to wipe your ass too? (laughs) No. Is that that what you... No. Okay, all right. I love you. I'm kidding. I know, I know. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to get to pick four movies and Ross is going to get to pick four movies. So it's going to be great because Ross is already upset because he knows what I'm going to pick first. He's already upset. So folks. Guys, come pick me up. (laughs) Guys, come get me. The babysitter's weird. She's showing me weird movies. The first movie that I am choosing. Ah! (laughs) Sorry. I said to let that go. (laughs) Go on. Can Can I continue, please? Sure. So you may have heard us mention on this podcast before how the, con- the concept of McReady. Yeah, the concept of McReady. Yes, this is the movie that the concept of McReady comes from. It's a movie Ross does not care for in the slightest. It is an alien invasion movie called Slither. She's doing this to me on purpose. <laughs> okay. The first time I ever watched this film, guess who showed it to me? It was me. Yeah. It was me. And, um, you know, I found parts of it entertaining. <laughs> Guys, this is one of the grossest films I've ever seen in my life. Which just makes me think you're a big baby. I've seen way grosser things. I'm not into it. I, I, you don't have to be. Guys, it's so gross. You ever seen The Fly or The Thing? <laughs> the body horror. Mm, you don't You don't like body horror? No. <laughs> no, I certainly do not. And guys, if you know what we're talking about, <laughs> you probably share my pain. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to do fucking Slither. I mean, hey, I we both said we do not have veto power of each other's choices this month for our respective months. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so there's things I'm putting her through, too. Yeah, I took this as an opportunity to pick movies that you will not let me do otherwise. <laughs> I have got some doozy choices coming up, guys. You, I can't wait. It's going to be a great month. I'm in hell. (laughs) But we're going to get through it. I could hardly get through that statement. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, yeah, looking forward to that, fuck. In the meantime, guys, go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, make sure you're leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you have anything else to say? Black lives matter. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace, my friends. Do not stop fighting for this. I understand people are tired. I understand our timelines are going back to normal. But no, no. I say nay, nay. We are going to persevere through this, and we are going to demand the things that need to happen until they happen. We're gonna. We're providing more links this week. Click around. Get educated. Sign petitions. Please support our voices of color. More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. <laughs> As always, sorry, sorry mom. mom. <laughs>